Amen. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and have a seat. My name is Matt Pardee, one of the pastors here. Thank you guys so much. What a beautiful song. To the one that gave us life, nothing is a sacrifice. That really spoke to me today. And uh, we're very excited about jumping into a new book, the book of James. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of James. I'm going to be in chapter one today. And before we jump into that passage, I wanted to give you a little bit of background of the book of James, who this author is, and some of the background of his life that will kind of help you in the context of uh, this whole book. So James, there's several Jameses in the New Testament, but this is the actual half-brother of Jesus. Uh, this James that writes this book was a pastor in Jerusalem, and believe it or not, while he was growing up with Jesus, he did not put his faith in Jesus. Uh, it tells us that in the Gospels, that many of his siblings did not believe in him, did not believe that he was the Savior. And James came to faith in Christ after the death and resurrection of Jesus. I know growing up Catholic, uh, we believed that um, not only was Mary you know, conceived through the virgin birth, but that she continued into that. And that's a Catholic belief. Uh, but we see through the scriptures, she actually did have children after Jesus. And James is one of those half-brothers. Whenever I read that, I just can't help myself but think, did Mary ever say to James, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? That just, uh, growing up with five brothers, that's the first thought that comes to my mind. I'm sure James probably heard that at some point and said, come on, give me a break. He's, he's God. Uh, so this half-brother of Jesus uh, did not place his faith in him, but later on he did. And Paul and Peter refer to him as a pillar of the faith. He was one of the key pastors in the Jerusalem Council in the book of Acts. And he pastored there in that Jerusalem church when all those people were coming to faith. In the book of Acts, James was their pastor. He was a godly man. He was a solid man. And he was a wise man. And he gave his life for the faith. Uh, theologians tell us later on in life after he wrote this book, he was martyred for his faith. He was very passionate about the gospel and about who Jesus was. I love hearing the stories of these eyewitnesses to uh, this whole story in the book of Acts and how they gave their life for the gospel. So James writes this book, and you can tell as you're, and hopefully you'll see this through these chapters that we're going to be going through in the next couple months, you're going to see a lot of references back to the Sermon on the Mount which he would have just heard and, and been very impacted by, one of the greatest messages Jesus gave, one of the greatest messages of all times in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He refers back to these phrases. It's also very similar to the book of Proverbs with all these great little one-liners that just really hit you and impact you and challenge you. So it's a very convicting book. It's a very challenging book, and we hope that you're moved in your heart in the next couple months of these very deep challenges to our faith. So if I were to summarize this book, you would say, many have said, this is about faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. James hits the importance of faith, but he says, if you really have this faith inside of you, it should surely show to the people around you. So he was trying to challenge and convict any hypocrisy during that time. I remember in seminary long ago when we were all going through seminary, a really wise uh, professor that he 
uh, that we had during that time, he would say, if there's smoke coming out of the chimney, there's probably a fire in the fireplace. And if you don't see smoke coming out of the chimney, you've got to wonder, is there a fire in the fireplace? Referring to this fire inside of us, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you understand the gospel, that the death and resurrection of Jesus means you can have the forgiveness of all your sins. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you believe in that sincerity and you ask Him in, that fire in your heart is going to result in some kind of change, in some kind of action in your life. And that would be the smoke coming out, a response to this amazing truth of the gospel. And we know that everybody here is in different places in that journey. If you haven't even asked Christ into your life, we're so glad you're here, but we encourage you to do that. That's something that you can do today. You can come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ that James is talking about, where Jesus comes into your life and you say, yes, I want to follow you. I believe with all my heart. And the Bible says at that moment, you are forgiven of all your sins. But what James is saying is we don't just say, hey, thanks, Jesus, for forgiveness and go on with our normal lives. If Jesus is there, it's going to change the trajectory of our lives. And that's all the challenges that James is throwing out. You know how in the book of Galatians, it's kind of the opposite. If people think they can do good works to earn salvation, Galatians is on this other extreme saying that, no, it's just about faith without your works. You can't work your way to God. It's about faith. It's about faith. James is this other contrast, not a different gospel, the same gospel that, that works are really important. Not to save you, but as a verification, as an assurance that, yes, I really have asked Jesus into my life because I, I want to walk with Him now. I want to respond with my whole life. So that's kind of the book in the nutshell. Uh, James 1, 1 tells us this author right away. James, a servant of God. Another translation says, James, a bondservant of God. This humble attitude of, I just want to lay down my life for God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Who are these 12 tribes? What is he referring to? Yes, he's referring to the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Jacob to the Jewish people. The 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. This was all the Jewish people. And why were they scattered abroad? Because of persecution and disobedience and different things that happened in the Old Testament. The Jews were constantly scattered. The Babylonians would come in and persecute them and scatter them. Other countries would come in and take them over. Oftentimes they were overcome because of their disobedience, and God was trying to redirect them, and He was trying to prune them. So James refers to this Jewish audience, these Jewish believers, and says, I know you're scattered all over, but here is this one central message that brings us together. Another important message to kind of see in this context, as I've already mentioned, is these Jewish people during this time, which was probably written around 40 AD. Some theologians believe James was actually the first book of the New Testament written. They're not in chronological order, but James wrote this down before any of the other New Testament books were written, maybe only a dozen years after the resurrected Jesus. And in this time period, 40 AD, they were under extreme persecution. 
There was famine going on. The Romans were um, abusing them, beating them, telling them to stop talking about Jesus. The Romans and the Jewish people that did not believe were persecuting these Christians. And James says, you're wondering why all this persecution is happening. You're wondering why all these trials are coming. You're wondering why life is so hard right now. Let me bring some light to that. And that's what the passages that I'm going to be talking about today. But before we jump into that, let me have you ponder your own life. Maybe you've asked, how are we going to make it through this and keep our faith? And that this there in that question is probably different for every one of us. Are you sitting there today or recently in the last weeks or months? You say, God, how am I going to make it through this and keep my faith? These trials can steer us away from a faith in Christ. They can distract us from the gospel message. And maybe you're going through something right now. And again, that could be different for everybody. But these things can shake our faith when they're supposed to strengthen our faith. So here's the big idea for today. God uses the difficulties of life to strengthen our resolve. These difficulties that come are not just because you know, of, of different random circumstances, but God can use these things. These are tools that He's using in our life to strengthen us and bring resolve, to bring a stronger foundation, to bring a stronger faith to every one of us. So let's jump into this passage. I'm going to read verses 2 through 8 and then break it into two points this morning. Let's jump into verse 2. Here we go. James says to the Jewish people, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You can see how these are powerful words, powerful challenges to the people going through difficult times. So again, as I mentioned, let's break this into two parts. And here's the first point. Number one, consider the ways God is making your faith stronger so that you can finish well. You and I are going to go through difficult times. We're going through difficult times in all different ways. And God wants us to consider why we're going through those things. He wants us to ponder this. God, why? What are you actually trying to do in my life? I don't want to just be frustrated and angry and complain and kind of grind this out. Let me consider in a prayerful way the ways that you're making me stronger, that you're strengthening my faith. Why? So that I can finish well. So that you can go to the end of your life, by God's grace, decades from now with a stronger faith than you are now. 
I was sharing with the staff not long ago, you know, one of the most difficult things of being a Christian, there's lots of difficulties, right? And if I went back and spoke to the 18-year-old Matt Pardee that gave his life to Jesus and I could speak to him, I would say, keep the faith in Jesus even though older mentors of you have lost their faith. That's what I would have whispered to that 18-year-old. You are going to see people around you fall away from the faith, give in to the world, be filled with doubts. When the trials come, they're going to be shipwrecked. That is a hard, difficult truth. It's super hard. It's heartbreaking. But that's not what God wants for you. You can get that resolved today. You can begin that today and say, God, whatever you're going to allow to come my way, let it push me to you. Let it deepen my faith. Help me not to be tossed around and lose my faith. We talk a lot about John Draghi around here, one of our good friends, one of our dear pastor friends that I knew for 30 years, and he was battling cancer, and he died this summer. He was one of my first mentors here at BGSU when I gave my life to Christ, and he's a hero of the faith. And if you know about him or you've seen any of his videos, you know, wow, this dude finished well. He went out loving God more than ever before. He went out loving people more than ever before. He crossed that finish line with passion for God. And you know, he ran Ironman competitions, so he kind of knew what it was like to go across that tape and to finish well. And I remember having dialogues with him, and I said, John, I know this is so weird. I hope this is okay to say, but you finished well, and I'm a little jealous that you got to finish so well. I want that in my life to encourage him. God wants you to finish well. The day you're going to go be with God, I hope and pray you love Him more than you do today. That you've laid down more of your life than you are today. That you're influencing and sacrificing and giving of yourself more than you are today. That's the deep reality of what God wants for a mature Christian. None of us have arrived. If you're just a brand new Christian and you're beginning that journey, you've got a ways to go. If you've been following Christ for decades, you have a ways to go. I still have so much to learn. And when I read this verse, here it is again, two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now let's just stop there and look at this again. I want perseverance in my life. I want endurance. I want to finish well. I want to be a mature and godly man, but I don't like the way that God does it in my life. Have you felt that way? Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. That seems ridiculous. I really don't like this verse. I'm a pastor and I should like God's word. I don't like this one. It seems like consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you're going to the dentist. It's like, what? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you get a flat tire and you're going to be late. What? Why would I consider that pure joy? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when it's 20 degrees in Bowling Green and the wind is blowing right through you. No, I don't want to consider it joy. I want to complain. I want to be bitter. I want to be entitled. And I want a comfortable life. 
I'm just being honest with you. It said, let per perseverance finish its work. Well, what work? God, can't I be done? No. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now let's look at this phrase, mature and complete. That's God's desire for every one of us. This word mature and complete in different translations is saying that you may be made perfect. It's so important to James that he repeats this through this book seven times. This phrase that you might be perfect, that you might be complete. You might think of it as wholeness. We just sang a song and we're going to sing another song here that's talking about, Lord, I'm broken. I've got so much wrong with me that I'm still trying to change. I have not arrived. And all of us bring our brokenness to God. He welcomes you with open arms no matter how broken you are, but he's not finished with the process. It's not just his embrace that's important, which is wonderful. But he wants to start putting the pieces back together. He wants to start changing you into who you were meant to be, whole, perfect, and mature but we don't love that process. I remember years ago just reading and just praying that I would be able to finish well. It's something that I've thought about and prayed. And I remember praying passionately that I would be able to be an oak tree someday, some, something that could just be strong in the Lord. And I want to show you a picture of a Lombardi tree, which is going to come up here, this big, beautiful tree. No relation to Vince Lombardi. Okay, even though the Packers are playing today, um, probably about 20% of you get that joke right now. That's okay. Uh, not a Vince Lombardi tree, just a Lombardi poplar. And these things were popular because, that's hard to say, poplar trees that are popular, because they grew so fast. Farmers would often plant these trees along a farm line to just kind of block the wind and block the erosion. And they were, again, bought up and planted a lot because they would grow quickly. That sounds great. I want something to grow quickly. I want a wall of trees. Let's get these Lombardi poplars because we don't want to wait. Let's just grow them up quick, right? Great. There was a problem. Because they grew so fast, they did not have a strong root structure. Matter of fact, they were kind of one of the weaker trees because of this root structure that wasn't very resilient. They were very susceptible to disease and bugs and drought would come and the storms would come and many times these trees would die. And maybe you'll see as you're driving a line of poplar trees and you might notice many of them have withered and died. And maybe you see where I'm going with this. God wants the deep roots in your life that come through difficulty. And as I pray that prayer and say, God, I don't want to wither and die. I want to be an oak tree. Psalm 1 says it so beautifully. Blessed is the man that does not walk according to the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat of mockers. But he will be like a tree planted by streams of water which bears its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Oh God, make us oak trees. God, let me be that kind of person that's planted by streams of water, which bear its fruit in its season, and the leaf doesn't wither, wither that we just keep growing. We keep bearing fruit in our lives because these storms are coming, the winds are coming, and if we are not strong in the Lord, 
we're going to be blown away. And it's so easy to doubt. It's so easy to not embrace what God is doing. And so we're confused. Maybe you've gone through some things and you say, God, why? What's going on? That brings us to our second point is God wants you to ask him what's going on. He loves that. That's our second point. Ask God for wisdom and do not doubt him. It's so easy for doubt to come in when the trials happen. God, is this real? Is this Bible really work? Are you really there? Am I really a forgiven person? Am I loved by the creator of the universe? These are questions God wants you to ask him so you can say, yes, you are loved. Yes, I have a plan for your life. Yes, I am maturing you. Yeah, these trials are coming and all these bad things are happening and it's really difficult and you're upset. Ask him what's going on. He wants to answer your prayers. Let's jump back into verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Another hard-hitting passage here that God wants us to go into these trials and say, God, I know you're there. I am not going to let this thing that's happening to me shake my faith. You know, when I think about doubt in the Bible, I think a lot about the people of Israel. As you read through those Old Testament stories, you see this continued just repetition, this rhythm of God coming through for the Jewish people, and then they doubt, and they turn on God. Then he does another miracle for them, and then they turn on him. And they're out in the wilderness. They say, we're going to starve to death out here in the wilderness after he just did this amazing thing in Egypt to free them. And then God provides the food. Then they doubt again. We're thirsty. We're going to die. What are you doing, Moses? Why did you lead us out here? Doubt after doubt after doubt. And gosh, we can be so much like that. No matter how many times God comes through for us, we can be filled with doubt. And oftentimes God disciplined them or he tried to sharpen them through dispersing them. And this word diaspora is a Greek word used this Greek word diaspora means the people of Israel who were scattered. They were dispersed. They were scattered. And they became isolated because they weren't following God. And that's one of our fears for, for all of us as we are walking with God together. We're on this journey to get our roots deeper and deeper in Christ. We pray that you're connecting with God and that you're connecting with each other. Because you know when the doubt comes into my life, when the irrational thoughts start filling my, my mind the most, is when I'm alone. When I go through times of isolation from God and isolation from other people, man, sometimes you could feel really crazy. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But when I'm really alone for a long period of time, I feel like that's when the enemy comes in and just starts whispering the lies. And I know many of you feel that way. You have come and you said to us, I'm alone and I'm filled with irrational thoughts. 
I'm filled with unbiblical thoughts. And the message is true for every one of us. We were meant to be in relationship with God. Asking Him for wisdom. Talking to Him. Being prayerful about everything that's going on in our life. To flush those lies out of our minds. To let Him bring truth. We were meant to be in relationship with each other where we're talking about these things, where we're finding some way in this difficult season to be connected to people. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's a challenge right now, but we cannot be the diaspora. We cannot be scattered and we cannot be isolated or we will be easily taken down in our faith and drift away and sabotage our own lives. We've got to find ways to be connected to God and to each other. James is giving them this hard-hitting conversation when they're going through some really tough stuff. I kind of joked about the trials of dentists and flat tires and cold weather just to make you smile. And yeah, I get frustrated by those things and I don't love them. But I know there's harder things than that going on, things that are really serious financial problems, marital problems, relational problems, conflict resolution. Maybe you're really struggling with purity in your life. Maybe there's some really hard trial that maybe nobody else even knows that you're struggling with right now. God is saying something to us this morning. Don't do that alone. Talk to Him about it. Consider what He's doing in your life. Consider that He's trying to make you stronger than you ever thought you could be. Think about how you can connect with someone this week and say, man, I'm really struggling with this and I just need to tell someone. Every time I've done that in my life, I feel like God brings light. He brings truth. The irrational thoughts leave my mind and truth comes in. Biblical truth through godly community is what keeps our embers hot and helps us finish well. Not one of us is going to finish well alone. Confess these things to God. Confess these things to each other. Be more open with God and more open with people that at any time in your life, because we pray that every one of us is going to grow to be an oak tree. And James is challenging these people. If you don't do these things, it's not just about this prayer of salvation. Now we're getting into the journey of endurance. And if you don't do these things, your faith will wither and die. And he's throwing out that warning to every one of us. Let's respond. Let's respond to God and say, man, I want to do this. God, I want to consider this and I want to be with you in a vibrant relationship with you. Let's pray for that. Lord, we come before you in all honesty and just say, Lord, we, we need to wake up every morning desperate for you. We need to wake up every morning desperate for community. Lord, if any one of us is, is suffering alone, we haven't been really considering with you what, why we're going through these trials. Lord, we confess that to you right now. Lord, we repent. We turn away and say, God, I don't want to be grumbling. I don't want to be frustrated all the time. 
Lord, I want to understand what you're doing. God, thank you for that hopeful verse that says, any person that asks for the wisdom of God, you give it to them generously. Lord, just as we want to be generous to our children and love our children and bless them with good things, you're a good heavenly Father that wants to give generously to us. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us your presence. Nothing that we could ask for more that's, that's of, of greater importance than your presence and your word. Give us that in Jesus' name. Amen.